0: As always, I'm your host, the Coupon Queen Pen. You know how I'm always telling you guys sometimes we need to take it moment by moment. Well, our next guest did just that. So I'm talking about none other than Ben. Let's take a moment out, and we'll be all right. <music> So you ready to start absolutely okay quick question is it aarons or runs
1: nope you got it right the first time aarons okay (laughs) perfect
0: like i think it's aarons but i'm not sure
1: (laughs) you got it (laughs) okay
0: so guys like i was saying i am here with ben aarons and you know we've been dealing a lot with mindset And some of you have actually been telling me you feel really, really, really stuck, you know? But Ben has done some really interesting TED Talks. So I'm gonna let him introduce himself and tell you what I mean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, having this conversation, bringing me on. And I can definitely relate to the feeling of being stuck. So it's something that probably many of us are facing in this day and age when, especially coming off the last year, a lot of us were actually actually, literally stuck at home. Right. Um, <laughs> so for me, I've had certain, you know, many times in my life where I felt stuck career or health wise and what you're referring to, what I gave a Ted talk about was an instance where I was extremely uh, sick and stuck physically. I had uh, Lyme disease that landed me in bed for three years and um, essentially, yeah, I just lost all of my momentum in life in my mid-20s. So it's not exactly where I wanted to be, but through learning about the brain, about neuroscience and how we can start to shift our thoughts, shift our attention and our awareness to start to get some wiggle room, how one small step can kind of lead to a, a sequence of other ones to help us become unstuck. And long story short, we can get into more details if you like, But by doing a lot of different things, making a lot of little tiny changes in my life, it resulted in changing my brain, which changed my body, which enabled me to get my health back. And I will just say that for anyone who's feeling stuck, know that change is your nature. Change is actually the natural state. There's a great saying that the only constant in life is change. So even though you might at sometimes feel stuck, there's a lot of things in the body and the brain, the mind and in, in the world that are actually changing. The key is how we can actually tap into that change and direct it and guide it in the direction that we ultimately want it to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think a lot of times we fight change i i really think that totally so one of the things that may resonated with me was the whole taking one deep breath where
1: did that start that started out of necessity (laughs) you know um because in that time essentially so what you're referring to is what became the the title of my ted talk is one deep breath which was really a sort of pivot point for me because as I mentioned, I was bed bound, I was ill, there wasn't much that I could physically do. And I wanted to you know, be able to get a handle on something to have some choice in the matter. And the one thing I realized I could choose to do was change my response. So when I was feeling flustered or upset or angry or uh, stuck, I could choose to continue to feel that way or I could take a breath And what I found was that by practicing this one deep breath consciously that it would actually calm my nervous system and give me this little tiny sense of space and in that space, I could actually insert a new response, I could start to tell myself a different story or I could choose to direct my focus Instead of focusing further on the problem and the diagnosis or the disease, I could focus on solutions or things that I was interested in or things that would make me feel more relaxed and relieved in the moment. And the more you do that, kind of ironically, the more you actually create these fundamental changes in the body that can, over time, lead to dramatic changes downstream.
0: Wow. Wow. You know, I we always talk about changing mindset and we i I think one of the things that we always think about are huge changes we don't know we don't realize how pivotal the small changes are
1: yeah you know i i think i'm glad you brought that up i think that's that's a really important point and it's sort of at the crux of why we feel or get stuck in the first place oftentimes it's because we think that the only way to change is to make some giant leap, right? Like a total career transition or total overhaul to our geography or our diet or whatever it might be, not realizing that actually anything that we want, the changes that we're after really happen as the result of process, not a certain single event. And by embracing that, uh, then we can actually start to, uh, you know, get into the process and direct that process. Usually it's like the process or the flow or the, the little steps that are kind of directing us when we're not aware of how things are going in life. Our mind, everything else can be, you know, pulled for a loop all over the map. But if we actually put ourselves kind of back in the driver's seat and recognize the value of these tiny little things that we do each day, those tiny things are what ultimately lead to those big things
0: hmm so it's about those little grains of sand that make up the beach huh
1: exactly yeah look I mean we can go for a walk on the beach because there's so many of those little grains that pack it firmly enough that you and I could stand on it
0: correct 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 so okay you know you realize that you had to change your mindset what other than the deep breath was the first steps you started taking?
1: So the first step I started taking was, I would say right after the deep breath was rewarding myself for having noticed first and foremost, that my mind was running amok, that it was being directed without my uh, conscious intention. And then once I would catch it and bring myself back to the breath it was rewarding myself. So I started to create this, this new feedback loop of every time I found myself or even subconsciously found my thoughts going to someplace negative, which would produce inflammation in the body and a overall sort of stress response, this new pattern became that I would interrupt it with a breath, and then I would reward myself for interrupting it. So again, this is one of those tiny things that sounds really insignificant. And I like to say that it's not so important what you do, really what matters is that you do. And that little bit of space gave me actually a lot more mental freedom to the point where I realized I also had a choice of what information I was feeding myself. So up until that point, I had been feeding myself a lot of fearful information about my diagnosis and all of these um, you know, negative things, which was Lyme disease at the time. Uh, and I realized, hey, actually I can feed myself new things. I can read books that interest me or listen to podcasts that inspire me. And by doing that, I started to just feel actually physically better, make different choices. And um, ultimately led to this cascading effect of, um, you know, which resulted in, in full recovery.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome. So, okay, you're saying that we do. So in other words, really taking that initial step is one of the first things that everyone should do, not so much
1: how we do it. Yeah, exactly. Taking taking a little step and you know, for me that new information I started to feed myself that gave me hope was really things related to like the brain, to neuroscience and to this field of study called neuroplasticity, which is incredibly hopeful and positive when you really dive into it because fundamentally it says that the brain is constantly changing at any age and from any Place that you might be, the brain is changing. And the reason that's so powerful and empowering, I think, is because um, our entire experience is really m- modulated by the brain. The brain is the interface between us and the world, it's how we. Uh, you know, gather information in through the senses. It's also how we put things out into the world creatively through our ideas and self-expression. So if you can change your brain, you can really radically change a lot of other aspects of your, your health and life.
0: So in other words, that means that you can't teach an old dog new tricks is a myth, huh?
1: hundred percent, hundred percent, a myth. You can absolutely teach an old dog new tricks.
0: So, okay, neuroplasticity, why have we not heard about this before? Like, you know, we always hear about neuroscience, neurology, you know, mindset, all these other things, you know, personal development, but we don't ever really talk about neuroplasticity.
1: Well, neuroplasticity is a relatively new field. It's really come about in the last uh, decade or so. And prior to that, we had a very fixed mentality around the mind and and around the brain really specifically. It said that, you know, we were born with a certain number of neurons, some 86 billion, and those neurons, just those, you know, brain cells essentially just get depleted over time. But with this new research that's been done, and now with a lot of it has to do with technology like MRIs that they're able to actually Uh, look into the brain and or map it using uh, different uh, magnetic resonant imaging technology, we can actually see that those old theories of the brain being fixed are false. So neuroplasticity, the reason we haven't heard of it too much is because it's relatively new, but the profound discovery is that the brain is actually generating new cells constantly throughout life and forming new synaptic connections. And as it forms these new connections, we can learn new skills, new abilities, but we can also change our body's responses to things. So if we might be used to feeling or responding uh, in a way to whether it's to negative news or whether it's to um, even our own you know health conditions or thoughts, we can using neuroplasticity, we can tap into our brain's natural ability to, change and adapt and we can create new responses that actually reduce inflammation that produce positive neurochemicals that produce positive sensations so it's really quite radical when you learn how to harness this power that everyone has in your own brain okay i keep hearing you mention
0: one word and that word is inflammation how important is that
1: well inflammation Underpins basically every disease, <laughs> and when I talk about you know inflammation, I'm using it in the sense of physical inflammation, systemic inflammation, meaning essentially, um, you know what happens in the body when it's under stress. Um, but we can we can just as well you know translate that word to uh, you know mental exacerbation or or, or uh, kind of an, an emotional sense of inflammation as well. We we know that we say things like you know people become inflamed. Uh, Emotionally, when they have like an emotional outburst. But essentially, you know, inflammation in and of itself is not bad. The inflammatory response exists in the body to fight off pathogens, to reduce swelling from a certain area, to, you know, clean the body in certain ways. The problem is that when we become stuck in this fight or flight state, if we're stuck in a state of hypervigilance, then inflammation can. Uh, exceed the body's ability to deal with it. And uh, that essentially leads to symptoms and degeneration in the body and a whole host of other things.
0: Okay. So let's talk about this. You're talking about fight or flight responses, and we hear this all the time, hypervigilance, hypervigilance, hypervigilance. Can you define that for us?
1: Sure. So The stress response, or what we we know as the fight or flight response, is the nervous system and the brain's onboard threat detection and response mechanism. So if you think about why the brain evolved in the first place, it's essentially to keep us safe. The reason that we survived (laughs) as long as we did is because the brain has this this center, it's called the limbic system, and this certain center of the brain is responsible for A, a looking for threats in the environment. And then B, once it finds something to be a threat or labels it as a threat, it produces the stress response or what we know as that fight or flight response in the body. And it does that for a really good reason that it just wants to mobilize the body. So the classic example is like, if you are back in ancient times being chased by a tiger, the body will mount this stress response, which results in increased blood flow, pupil dilation, increase heart rate, increase breath rate, and all of these things are geared toward giving you temporary superpowers to be able to run faster than you normally would be able to and to sharpen your senses so that you can escape the threat. The problem is that in today's day and age, we're focused on these lower level threats like negative news, a lot of fear that's coming in through the media or through work or through finances or you name it, the host of things that we deal with. Um, But all of these can actually combine to create a low level stress response that rather than spiking and then leaving, it actually stays with us. And that's where we start to see this continuous inflammation.
0: Okay. Another quick question, which may answer something for some people. Is this why we have a physical response during... An anxiety attack or a panic attack, where people will really think that they are having some sort of massive
1: event with their health. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, what's happening when you have a panic attack or big, you know, uh, anxiety type of response is essentially somewhere along the line, somewhere in the past, that region of the brain that's the threat detection system, that limbic system has falsely classified something as a threat that's in fact non-threatening I'll give you an example of that when I was getting back to work after my own health experience I worked in an office in Times Square and I was still still found myself to be a little bit hyper vigilant hypersensitive and every time the phone rang immediately my my subconscious mind I guess would anticipate a negative response right some customer question that I wouldn't be able to answer or some problem I might not be able to fix. And my brain had unbeknownst to me associated just the sound of that ringing phone with a threat. And to the point where when I would hear the phone ring, I would have like a mini panic attack. (laughs) And that's because not because the ringing phone poses any real danger, we know, of course, but because my brain had labeled it as a threat when in fact, it's non-threatening. The cool part. And what I'm interested in now is that once you become aware of this and you have the right tools, you can actually use this neuroplasticity to change that threat response. So as it relates to that ringing phone, what I did was I practiced every time the phone rang, I would push myself back from my chair and take a deep breath. Instead of just picking up the phone, feeling flustered and panicked, I would take a deep breath, relax, and then I would pick up the phone. And the more I did this, the more calm I felt and the, the less vigilant I would become when I heard that phone to the point where a few weeks later, that phone actually became a trigger for a relaxation response. So to your point, it's not about changing the environment, but changing the way the brain classifies that information, which changes your bodily response to it.
0: Wow, okay. So guys, if you are not are not paying attention, you really need to. Ben is dropping some gems here. like serious, seriously <laughs> dropping some gems here. So okay, I know you're you you've got all these things going on and I I, I will have to say i'm a, I'm fanning, I'm fangirling out a bit because this is my first TED talker uh <laughs> yeah. so thank you um <laughs> i'll just say i
1: once uh <laughs> I, went, I went on a date uh shortly after i gave that talk and she had the the girl had found out that i had given a ted talk and she said oh wow you're like a d-list celebrity <laughs> so i said <laughs> i'll take it
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah
0: so it, it, it's like oh my gosh you always hear about these ted talks and everybody's like oh my goodness TED talk, you know, so it's like, wow, I feel special now. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have, you do have something coming up that you're starting next year, and people can actually jump on that will help them in their neuroplasticity. What What is that?
1: Yeah, so similar to how I just described, I went through this this process that I created for myself to change my own stress response. And I gave that example of the ringing phone, but I did this much more specifically and more in depth when it came to recovering my health from Lyme disease, because that was a, a bigger, you could say a bigger stress response, more ongoing, more deeply ingrained. So it required really uncovering and creating some new powerful tools that could retrain the nervous system. and now what we've done is I've band together with um, a team of scientists that we lovingly call the Brain Trust at ReOrigin. And this consists of neuroscientists, clinical psychologists, uh, really top practitioners in their field who have helped us to develop a repeatable program where people can retrain their own stress response. And it's called ReOrigin. And it essentially consists of this Uh, online streaming program. People can learn how to do these techniques and it's basically an exercise that someone can do for a few minutes every day. Um, And we also give them the tools of how they can apply it to their specific uh, triggers. And then we also have a community around that. So people can get support, they can get questions answered, make sure that they're doing everything correctly and um, support each other as well. And like you said, this is something that we are going to be launching in the new year. But we do have a small group that we are uh, running through the program right now. And if any of your listeners would like to join this group, they need only go to re-origin.com. That's re-origin.com. And they can actually sign up uh, at VIP pricing. So this is kind of a limited time uh, deal that we've got going on. And yeah, really exciting to be able to share this with other people at this point. Okay, guys, he doesn't
0: realize it, but he said another word that we love so much other than free. He said deal. So (laughs) if you want it, definitely jump on it. Of course, you know, his information will be in the show notes. So if you didn't catch what he just said, don't worry about it. Check the show notes. Oh my gosh, this is so, so awesome. I mean, what made you say, you know, this isn't just for me. This isn't just me trying to get on a soapbox and tell people how this worked for me. And that's it. Because I know, I mean, you know, we always see, we, we see it a lot. I can't say we always see it, but we see it a lot where people will say, you know, this is what I did and this is what worked for me. And that's kind of all, but you decided to share this with people.
1: Yeah. I think if we, you know, fundamentally in a way to get to life's purpose here, I think fundamentally our, our purpose is in a way to solve our own problems, and then share how we did that so other people can benefit from it. Um, If you look at even from a biological standpoint, a single-celled organism, its entire role, its entire existence is geared toward passing on information. So I think we're kind of, you know, to get back to neuroscience here, we're wired to pass on information. And if we've found something that can be beneficial, I think our next kind of step, like the same way that you're doing this podcast, you're sharing information, you're sharing things that are, uh, you know, intriguing and exciting to you because you know that other people can benefit from them as well, then the next step is to teach it to other people and to, you know, refine it over time and find something. We're all kind of looking for like the thing that will work for everyone. And well, perhaps not everything will work for everyone uh, perfectly or, or in its perfect form, I do think that we can create tools, these basic tools that people can use that can uh, really benefit their their life. And so, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do with ReOrigin now.
0: Wow.
1: So, okay. I really have to, because I love the name. Where did you get the name ReOrigin? So the name ReOrigin, actually, this is an interesting story. Um, I had been it was about 10 years ago that I, since I recovered my my health and went through all of that and continued from there from that point on to learn more about neuroscience and everything. And I always felt like like when I had gone through that sort of transformation, it wasn't like I had pushed myself to some new level or fabricated some change. I really just felt like I had returned to myself, (laughs) like I had returned to something fundamental in myself. So I always loved this idea of, you know, that we are inherently complete, and that we can return to this state of homeostasis and health, whenever the conditions permit. And for years, I wanted to find different ways of of teaching and and helping and getting this out there. And I tried some different things. But um, it was actually only last year in 2020, or during the uh, pandemic, that an old friend reached out to me. And she had this idea to um, bring on some different Uh, you know, these different experts and myself included, um, and essentially create this program called Reorigin. So she was the one that came up with the name. And as soon as I heard the name, it just resonated in me, everything that I just described to you, that it's really about, you know, coming back to ourselves. I really do think that anything, addition to that, that we might be feeling stress, frustration, anxiety, panic, All of these things are altered states. They're not who you really are. And so reorigin is about returning to your origin. It's about returning to the essence of who you really are. And the way that we do that is through neuroplasticity, through eliminating these old obsolete neuropathways that are keeping us stressed, keeping us anxious, so that you can settle down to experience your true self, which is by, by nature healthy and happy.
0: Nice, nice. Wow. Okay. I love that. I I really do. I love that. And and I like the fact that you say you weren't recreating yourself. You weren't, you know, you were trying to get back to the true you.
1: Yeah, it kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about in the in the beginning of this discussion about feeling stuck and how sometimes when you when you perceive that you have to take this giant leap, it can actually make you feel more stuck because we don't know how to go about doing it. And I think when you start to think about life from this perspective, that there's nothing that we actually need to really do or radically change. It's more just a matter of eliminating the uh, the clutter or anything that prevents us from from, that prevents life from naturally taking its course. I think we've all had those moments or those feelings where life is just flowing, right? It's not like, it's not like we're doing something or we're forcing something. Um, And I think when we're operating from that place, that's really when we're at our best. And now a lot of research is suggesting that that's also where we're at our healthiest.
0: Yeah, it is true. That is very true. So Question. And and I know this is a question because you kind of opened the door in this one. Regarding quarantine and the pandemic, and how can people retrain their brains from that? Because, you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons that I actually wanted you on is because I hear so many people telling me, hey, Queenpin, I am having such an issue i have anxiety about going back into the office i'm having anxiety about sending my kids back to school so how do you think that that and and, and let let's be real this was over a year that we were dealing with this so how do how do, how did this affect us in that time span
1: really great question so you know, you're absolutely right in thinking that something like this has a almost traumatizing impact on the brain. And like I was saying before about how that limbic system is always trying to classify something as either threatening or non-threatening. All of a sudden, we all found ourselves around the world in this place where our brains were classifying all of these everyday things like going outside, like going to the grocery store, like going to school These ordinary benign things that we normally do were suddenly being classified in the brain as a threat because for a time, and perhaps to some extent, they might still be a little bit, but a lot of that was really fed in by the situation, by the media, by the information that was coming in through the senses to the point where... The brain is always developing associations the same way that my my subconscious mind had created the association between the, the ringing of the phone and a threat that may or may not be there. Our brains are creating similar associations. So you mentioned, you know, getting back to the office, right? Getting back to school. If these are places that over the last year, we've been conditioning our brains to think of as potential threats then of course we're going to have a threat response or an increased threat response as we start to think now about getting back to these places. So two things that that listeners can do that I think can really help with this. One of them is on the general level. So generally, if we reduce the amount of anxiety in the system, that's a really good thing. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by changing the information that we're feeding ourselves. So of course, we all like to stay you know, dialed into the news and the media and understand what's going on, but we don't necessarily need to consume that much of it. I always like to say the first rule of defensive driving, which is never look at what you're trying to avoid. So in order to drive forward successfully, you don't need to be focused on the obstacles in the road. In fact, if you do focus on the obstacles, you're likely to crash. You just need to be aware of them in your peripheral vision to the extent that you can avoid them. Apart from that, what you really need to do is stay focused on where you want to go. So I want to really invite and kind of encourage people to change, start to change the information that they're feeding themselves. If you're used to reading a lot of news and taking in a lot of fear information, and that information can come in through your own thoughts, by the way, to recognize that and to start to practice changing the channel, start to get back into looking toward things that excite you. So this might sound like really, um, you know, basic, but even like planning a trip or things like that to start mobilizing and moving your mind toward those things that actually make you feel good, that's actually going to have a material effect on your body by calming the nervous system overall and reducing the propensity of the brain to go into fight or flight. So that's the one thing. The other thing is that like we do in Reorigin, we have a series of tools and techniques that show people how to actually change their stress response with respect to specific triggers. So again, if it's, let's say the office or the school that's producing this type of stress response, there's actual things that you can do to change that wiring in your brain that has once associated that with a dangerous place to now change that neural pathway to say that it's actually not threatening anymore. And we can do this through a series of ways. One of them is just through rationalization by taking a pause, You know, recognizing that you do uh, that you are having a stress response to the school or the office, let's say, and to reason your way through it and say, okay, I know that this, you know, I'm thinking this way or I'm feeling this way because at one time it was, you know, uh, potentially hazardous, but now I know that we're all wearing masks, we're wiser, most of us are vaccinated, whatever the conditions might be um, that have, you know, allowed us or enable us to get back to that place. Um, Essentially, it's reclassifying it as uh, a safe place. So that's, that's a big part of it as well.
0: Now I do have a big question because a lot of us are parents and how do we show the kids because some, we're, we have to realize we're not only experiencing this but our children are experiencing this. So how do we help them kind of retrain their brain?
1: So the great thing about kids is that their brains are so eager to change. They are so receptive to information. And I think, you know, I would say for, for parents, I'm not a parent yet myself, but I have a lot of friends that I'm in close touch with and I see how they are with their kids. I think it it actually starts with the parents. I want to say that um, by calming your own stress response, by, you know, living in, in this uh, state of Calm relaxation. Uh, kids are really receptive to that. They're going to pick up on that, you know, very well. And I think the more that we can be calm uh, and lead by example, the better. And the other thing is that you know we we I think you always want to be uh, real and realistic with kids. You don't want to say that there's you know no no pandemic when of course there has been. Um, the the challenge is that our brains and that limbic system oftentimes expand the threat to make it seem greater than it really is. And the key here, I think with kids, I'm, you know, what comes to mind is uh, playing games or making, making a game out of something is a great way to do it because it, it changes their perspective from that, you know, fear response to realizing that you can actually <laughs> have fun and, and enjoy yourself in the face of uncertainty.
0: Nice. Okay. Okay. Wow. So guys, we, sometimes we have to watch our own responses because remember they're
1: watching, (laughs) always (laughs) watching, listening. And yeah,
0: they're always watching. So, you know, just model the behavior that you would like for them to have. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Ben, thank you. This was so awesome. This was so awesome. So tell everyone again, where they can find you, where they can sign up for ReOrigin, where they can find that, you know, the D
1: word, the deal. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. So absolutely. If you just go to re-origin.com, so it's ReOrigin, but spelt with the dash in the middle, that's re-origin.com. Uh, you'll be able to see everything about our program, even watch some of the videos uh, for free to see if it really resonates with you. And if it does, then if you sign up before the new year, uh, then yes, you get about a 70% uh, discount on what will be our, our normal price. Um, we've already had a lot of people go through the program and get great results. So we know that this is repeatable. Like I said, it's not just from my own experience, but now from the History of studying neuroplasticity and from these other experts involved, and um, yeah, I think we could all use a little a little brain retraining at this time. It's it's uh,
0: definitely you know, it's time that
1: we come up for air and we we start focusing on where we want to go.
0: Awesome, awesome, Ben. It has been amazing having you on.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me
0: guys i hope you caught all the gems that ben was dropping definitely check out the show notes so you can sign up and re-find your origin as always guys be good to yourselves be good to each other and happy shopping hey this is chewy host of Screaming Chewy Show podcast, and you're currently listening to CQP Moments. Stay tuned.